0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 444. 444 of Constructive Criticism. I'm your host, Spencer. I'm joined by my co-host, a man that uh has a really big Hydro Flask. I'm kinda jealous of my Hydro Flask is not nearly as big as his. That's Stein.
1: Yeah, the Hydro Flask thing, like It was, once I was already getting one, it was so much less expensive to just get the biggest one that was reasonable than getting like anything smaller. So I just went for it. I I think really, if you wanna invest, if you're someone out there who likes to drink, especially cold water, if you like really are someone who needs their water to be ice cold like me, just just get yourself a Hydro Flask and don't think about the price tag, just buy. The quality is just absurd.
0: I have like, literally on my desk, I just have mugs and cups of like, all of these keep my water really cold. Uh, the only thing I take to magic tournaments is my Hydro Flask. Like, you know, it keeps your ice all day and you can still, like, refill it a bunch of times. So, yeah. it, it's it's pretty dope. Uh, so, you know, if you're ever, if you're like me and it sounds like they gave, like, cold water Hydro Flask. Uh, if you want to sponsor this Hydro Flask, um, we don't need a lot, actually, for that sponsorship. You just give us Hydro Flasks to give away with our logo. That's good enough for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I guarantee you, people see the CCMTG hydro flask. I mean, they're gonna
0: they're gonna want one exactly. You, exactly. Uh, before we get too far into this, I do want to mention uh, I didn't update the shoutouts. I'm the worst. We do have a new patron, and that's Michael. Shout out to Michael. Uh, thank you so much, Michael. Another new patron. Another week, another new patron. This has uh, been really cool to see the growing one dollar patrons and stuff like that um well once mason gets back we'll be kind of updating the patreon benefits again for this year and we're really excited and i'm glad to see that you know the even just the early access to um the pick two set reviews is enough to, to to really help people out there so uh that being said let's get to always improving this is the point of the show every week we talk about the things that we've been doing to improve at magic or life in general and this week i'm gonna go first abe uh, we didn't do one last week, and I have been—I've been doing a lot, and I, I want to talk about a, a couple of areas of it. The first thing that I want to talk about is coaching. Um, my coaching has filled up a lot, and always improving is like a really something that I take to heart. And so, even today during coaching, I was adjusting my session one notes that I do with people as they go, as I was doing a session one with somebody. And, like, I was like, I'm really sorry. Like, I kept apologizing when I shouldn't. Like, I'm going to add questions to this as we go. And the reason is because I think that these are really pertinent to, like, lots of types of players and things like that. And um, one of the things that has been really cool about coaching is a level of validation um, for something that you and I both really believe in, Abe, and that is the ability to transfer uh processes and solutions between problems and one of the things that I I have been trying to do in coaching is applying things that I've learned in my career and, and in magic all encompassing into one to help people become more process oriented and results driven because I believe that is a way that you achieve the results that you want and the outcomes that you want without having to like set meaningless goals in a lot of ways like uh as somebody that's quite qualified for the pro tour I was like their goal for so long it was like I just want to qualify for the pro tour then you go to the pro tour you day two the pro tour like that was my goal I was gonna get day two and then you're like okay now what now what did I learn what did I get out of it and if you throughout that entire process have this um process oriented mindset throughout that um with results being your driver uh i I think that it's really validating into into seeing how like as i've been talking to people and doing a lot of first sessions um it's been really cool to see how that has worked Um, being able to suggest things like even today in my coaching session i suggested somebody do um, objectives and Key Results, uh, OKRs from uh, Google. That's how Google makes their software and how they measure success of their software. I was like, you should measure the success of your magic this way. And I think that what you have here that are your two magic goals are not magic goals. What they are is their key results of improvements that you want to make. And um, so, You know, you might be asking yourself, Spencer, you sound like you're patting yourself on the back. And actually not. I'm really bad at validating myself. And really bad at, um, and I think magic players because of a lot of how a lot of us were, I don't know if groomed is the right word in coming through competitive magic to just believe that we're wrong, to believe that we're not as good, to believe that we're, uh, you know, even always improving, right? The the, the whole th- joke is that if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. I believe that. But, like, there is a negative connotation to that. And I think that, uh, you know, taking a minute to validate, like, hey, as I'm talking to these people, they're getting what I'm putting down. And not only are they getting what I'm putting down, they're like, oh, I had not thought of doing it this way. I am not doing it that way. And I can see how that will give me gains, not just for my short ter- short-term goals, but also for my long-term future. Uh, so that's my first one. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's great. I, I also, you know, in my coaching sessions, like, the way that I think of it and that I think is, like, probably the easiest way that I've found to phrase it is that a lot of times um, what Magic players will do that holds them back is that they'll tell themselves that success is winning a race when success is uh, actually running a faster lap.
0: That's so. I thought you were going to say running a faster mile, but I totally, I was going to comment on that. I I agree. Like, uh, at at the end of the day, like, Hussein Bolt doesn't become the fastest man of all time by, yeah, he might be a bad example. He might just actually be, he might have been born the fastest. Well, I mean, but but he doesn't get there by trying to just beat everyone else around him, Right. right? He gets there by saying, how can I run the fastest, the fastest sprint I can? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I, I think that's really important. Uh, the next one I actually has to do with Standard. Um, you know, preparing for the RC, uh, I'm all the way through green on the Playables doc. so if you're a patron of CCMPG, that should be in the Discord. It's going to be a living doc. It's going to be updated for every card that I believe is playable. And not just the cards that I believe is playable, but, like, every card I've ever believed is playable uh, in Standard. Um, and I... Uh, I did something weird today, where I uh, plugged in the Fastlands into pretty close, to, like it's a couple cards off. Uh, some new stuff is added to my to the uh, Naya Werewolves deck that I almost won that RCQ with, that I was I had been working really hard on before the format came out, and I tweeted this, but. I also put a bunch of Gruul uh, for what it's worth because I also think that, you know, Gruul was a land short of being good in the last format. Abe, I think that people underestimate fast mana so much. It like the, uh, I was in a coaching session and somebody was like, oh yeah, one of our teammates just wants to play soldiers. And I don't know, I think you and I talked about this offline last week where, or maybe it was even on the podcast where like, soldiers is really good and I don't want to take anything away from that but the fact that it got multiple extra dual lands compared to the other decks uh and now other decks are going to get to have good mana 12 12 dual lands which is what gruul has for example that all of them can be untapped by on turn 3 like and two two of them <laughs> so eight of your lands are always untapped uh in the first three turns it is it is night and day. Like that's what we were dealing with in in Cobblade Standard, and I think actually that's not even true because those were manlands, so one of them was always tapped. Like the the mana is is way better, and not just for like, but like monocolored decks, splashing a color are better. Uh, Tri decks are better, um, and then even monocolored decks that get to have no awkwardness in their mana get better by default. Because they're then challenging the people that are making any kind of concession with their mana bases. And I I just want people to, like, really take a step back and look at mana speed. Because I know that the decks that, like, people were talking about today and that are doing well are, like, these Phyrexian Obliterator mono black decks. And it's like, hey, do you have a bad mana base? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I do think Phyrexian Obliterator is pretty good. It's, like, basically Shieldred. But, you know, we got to slow our roll. Yeah, I think that, you know, if there's something that
1: anyone listening to this wants to do to just, like, become a much more... Like, something that even I struggle with and struggled with for years in understanding, really. But so many Magic players don't... uh, And even, like, really good competitive Magic players who understand the game really well don't understand just exactly the value of having colored mana available to you in small windows of time with few lands and how that actually translates into like virtual sets of card advantage and like you know like the ability to have if you're playing an aggressive deck and you want to play a bunch of multicolored spells the ability to consistently hit those color requirements on curve and cast the spells that you want to set up into them on curve with them being the strongest ones from two colors in diversity, like that is such a game changer, especially for decks that are being proactive as opposed to reactive, because you kind of need to cast your threats at the right times, as opposed to the answers where you need to have the answers at the right times, but they're usually pretty easy to cast. And so, um, yeah, I think that like that's something that maybe we should do an entire episode on. And I know we've done episodes on mana in the past, but like,
0: yeah, it's, it's been a long time since we did a mana based episode and it's probably worth revisiting I, I want to add on to what you said, though, Abe, because you talked about, like, the, the times that it's available, and I just want to give, like, a, a, a peek into what I am what I was thinking today. And something that I'm a big advocate of is, like, aggressively slanted midrange decks, for example, people are like, oh, your mana's bad, you're playing a tap land, right? You're playing a try land. But, like, if I'm focused on all one drops and three drops, having a turn one or two, two tap land doesn't matter because I can either double spell on two where I can play a tap land, play another one drop, and then play a three drop. But understanding that in your deck building restrictions and what you're trying to cast uh, and the turns you're trying to do it, according to what Abe said, is like what I'm talking about as far as like good mana. But at the same time, that means that I'm go, I am making the sacrifice to play a tap land, a try land, while other people are playing Liliana on three, after playing a one drop and a two drop. And those are the type of things that, like, okay, can, can I get away with this? How can I get away with this? Or, you know, is there something else that needs to happen? And I, I, think, I think you're right, man. I, I think that people don't... I think, one, I'll say this. I think a lot of magic players just don't build their mana base. They just go look at a mana base from a winning challenge list. I was like, that looks fine. Like... Yeah. I mean,
1: I I think about a lot the um I think it was this interview that Patrick Sullivan did with Humans of Magic. And he was talking about how there was this this one deck, it was like mono white with Chain to the Rocks from like Theros Standard or something. It was like it was a really long time ago, but the deck played three Sacred Foundries. And like Patrick Sullivan's takeaway from this was like there's I I am so bad at magic because like I there's no way you could ever convince me after and like the people who are good are so good at magic you could never convince me in my deck that is just like mono white with like these like couple of like mountain requirements and like that's all I really need the sacred foundries for to be like yes I will play only three sacred foundries like shocklands some of the best mana fixing ever printed. I'm just gonna play three of them because having the fourth comes up too much, and drawing the first like it's easy enough to draw the first one. All these like small things about just even literally a barely red splash, mono white deck. There's room to optimize the mana base and just mana in general, lands in general, because they're so, they are so innocuous and they're so especially just like unsexy as far as like playing Magic that. You know, you just play a bunch of mana fixing and hopefully you cast your spells and then hopefully some people spend time figuring it out and work it out. But the people who actually can do that turn out to be some of the most valuable people you can ever work with on deck building because good mana leads to, to good outcomes. That's just
0: that's just a fact. Let's go on to you for always improving, Abe.
1: Yeah, so my always improving moment this week... Um, actually, last couple of weeks, I took a bit of a step back from playing much magic. I know I'm going to be ramping up a lot in terms of, uh, like, standard and everything for RC2. Um, So I was giving myself kind of an off-ramp and and some time to collect myself. And and part of that was laying out kind of a rough schedule and, like, you know, dates by which I want to to make sure that I am at certain goals for myself in that preparation. Um, You know, kind of giving myself a, a definition of where it is that I, like, what what defines me being successful in my preparation, how much time I need to allocate to get to those goals the, of understanding um, along the way, and really laying out that roadmap as opposed to spending any time really, you know, starting to build decks right away or agonizing over, um, you know, reading the spoiler every day and knowing, knowing all the cards exactly. Um, you know, more importantly, I wanted to make sure that when I do start to do the um, do the hard work and really get into the nitty gritty of things that I'm coming in with, uh, the right set of goals for myself and the right expectations for myself to keep myself on track as far as my preparation, um, you know, w- within my means. So that was, that was really what I spent most my effort on. on and, and it's part of my, you know, my new year's resolution and magic of really being more dedicated and intentional with my time and, and doing that and following that process. So, uh, that's been, that's been that for me last two weeks.
0: I struggle so much with understanding my means and I'm really glad that you talked about this because I think that one of the number one questions that I get is like a parent who has, who plays magic and like who, you know, qualifies for RCs and, you know, you know, does competitive magic. Uh, even in the times where like magic was gone and I was just doing the one case we were like, how do you do this with kids? And it's like, you know, a lot of it comes down to what Abe just said, where you have to be really honest. Um, And, uh, you know, one of the things that's coming back is is Mythic Cast with Michaela. We've been texting about it. Uh, it, We did last month's episode. We're going to do this month's episode. And I've been struggling, like, I don't plan on getting Mythic as a host of Mythic Cast. I believe that I've proven that I could do that whenever I want. And instead, I'll focus on, you know, just providing the best information to help people get that if that's their goal. But it it, it, it becomes down to, like, is ladder a good use of my time in preparation? Um, and, Abe, I think that you could speak better than this anybody for yourself. But, like, for me, it's like, no, that's actually just a huge waste of my time. It doesn't help me understand the metagame at all. It helps me understand ladder. And, like, I'd much better off, like, going to RCQs, going to playing in challenges... But also, how do I get that time? Like, where, where, where are these? Where do these buckets exist? And what do I need to ship to make buckets exist that are useful for me?
1: Yeah, and I mean, just a bit of a peek behind the curtain for what my personal process is. You know, like I will probably be using ladder um, or events as just ways to play my own, and like even ladies, like play the decks that are out there, like get an understanding of how the decks play out against the opponents of the format, just to understand the play patterns and really the critical points. Cause standard is a format that I've kind of distanced myself from because the lack of, of RCQ play around me for it. Um, And also I don't, I was pretty, I'm always a pretty big believer that um, like, it's probably better to come in without the biases of the previous standard format. if you're going to come in and tackle a a new format. And so coming at it with a view of all of the cards, as opposed to maybe attaching myself to some archetypes or, uh, or cards from the past, obviously I've been keeping up on and have, you know, made note of the solutions to certain problems, right. Things like, um, you know, destroy evil, pushing children out of the format for a brief window um, or like wandering mind becoming like, the best value creature, as opposed to, um, like corpse appraiser or whatever. Like I, the, I the small know. shifts.
0: That was that. That was a stretch. Let's be honest. They still played four corpse Appraiser. They just happened to play two wandering minds. Well, okay, sorry. <laughs> leaning in on leaning in on corpse appraiser. Leaning. I should say. <laughs> that leaning was... in on corpse appraiser and playing wandering
1: minds. Corpse appraiser five and six. No, you're right. Um, like those things. And, and really understanding what led to them and like what the good tools that are available are and what those things are is important. But as far as like getting into playing, like, Oh, you know, what is the blue white soldiers versus artifacts matchup? It's like, you know, I'm going to let those things kind of sort themselves out and really focus on the card interactions. Yeah. I'm
0: trying to, it do almost that. doesn't matter, right? We're in a whole new world and it's time you, you get the same amount of time as everybody else to learn this world. We're housekeeping really quick, uh, looking for a sponsor still, um, And I... I'm open to a lot of stuff. And I hope that that's been clear through these... You know, through the... We just offered Hydro Flask a very nice sponsorship. All you gotta do is send us a bunch... A couple of those. That'll cost you nothing. We'll just talk about you for like... I want things that help my listeners. And that I feel really comfortable saying... Like Hydro Flask was one. We'll just use that as an example. I really do feel comfortable recommending that. Like... And, you know, we, maybe you've seen it in the the, the chat where, like, I'll turn down sponsorship offers. I'm like, I don't think this fits the brand. I don't think this fits the network. Um, but if you have a product or an offering that you do think fits, please reach out to us. Because, um, you know, I can't turn down stuff forever. No, I can't. I will, actually. Uh, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I can. But well, we'd like to say yes to something. <laughs> yeah, I'd like. I'd like to say... Uh, dude, can I actually, behind the curtains, really quick, and then we'll move on? Uh, sure. So, uh, I don't remember if it was, I think it was two or three weeks ago, uh, uh, Brian and Jerry T, they do a podcast called Arena Decklists. I think they're changing it, but if you you want to check out their podcast, uh, Mason's been on it, it's, you know, it's a staple of, of competitive magic, and they talked about getting an offer from a psychic uh, that wanted to sponsor them. Um, And we actually got the same offer. Um, But I was not like Brian and Jerry. I just deleted it and didn't respond. And I was so jealous of them for, like, not getting the opportunity to be like, not only do I not think this fits our brand, I think you're a scam artist and... (laughs) 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 I... I, I just, I'm too nice, Abe. I, you know, I don't, I don't believe in burning any bridges, even the ones that I believe should be burned to the ground. I think it would
1: have been fun to do the ad read just
0: one time for the psychic. (sighs) All right. We haven't, we haven't burned that bridge yet. We could do it once. (laughs) Uh, I'll, but I'll, I'll, if you're I'll, listening, I'll, anyone listening, if you ever hear us do an ad for a psychic,
1: know that it's for our entertainment only. Do not give them any money. Do not call them. They do not provide a service to you. They are no, we, just it was
0: you. so wild. I'm like listening to Jerry and I'm listening to Jerry and Brian. I was like, I got that. I had that email. Like, <laughs> I I literally got that email. uh And she was there. They probably got it once. I got it like five times because I didn't respond. I like left her on. Like, she messaged me a bunch of times. So, uh, let's talk about the main topic, though. We're talking about seasonal changes to RC. RCQs? How do we... How do you... RCQ season changes? Yeah. Uh, so, so, we. if you're... If RCQs 1.5? Yeah. 2.0? Uh, so, if you are watching on YouTube, you can actually see it on the thumbnail. Um. They announced that they were going back to seasonal magic, which is really funny because I retweeted somebody that was like, "This is all I want in the whole world. I wish we could just do this." A day or two before the announcement, which was really funny. Uh, so basically, uh, on February something to be at Puerto Philadelphia. So that's this month, um, and then Mason will come back. Everybody will be uh, jumping for joy on the the sweet, sweet sound of Mason's voice, uh, and then. We have the end of this RCQ season, which is for uh, uh for Pro Tour. Uh, the it's for the RC in for us Dallas. Yeah, which I believe feeds Pro Tour Minneapolis. I believe goes right. from Minneapolis. I think yes, it does. I'm right. Okay. Let me finish, and then we'll see if I'm wrong. Uh, th- so, but between that, you have an RCQ for PT3, which happens in Barcelona. So, and that entire season will be either Pioneer or sealed with a draft top eight. The following... So then, at, so then, you know, we've already talked about regional the regional championship in May for PT3, which is Barcelona this is the question that I have for you because I watched the whole thing today and I have not seen an answer. Is this regional championship just the format of the qualifiers?
1: Cause yes. Yes. Okay. So, so the idea is that um, the first two rungs of the ladder, and I believe also the third rung, the pro tour will all be the same format.
0: If we are wrong, I think about there was, this, please leave a YouTube comment. Let us know. Let yes. our listeners know. But I also believe that that is correct. I know that the intention is at least. I, I can't speak to whether or not the
1: third rung is that way. That the PT is going to be that way. I assume it is, and I believe it is. But I and I believe that was the stated goal is that yes, there is you, the thing you play at the uh, at your regional championship qualifier is the thing you play at your regional championship and the success you have the regional championship. Leads you to playing that at the Pro Tour, and that is that is the goal. Um, and you know, for any of you who are kind of veterans to the uh, to the competitive Magic scene from before, um, back when we were in the the PBTQ system, the RSQ system
0: was already kind of like we, we should we should coin before the snap because it was all before the snap. <laughs> Once Thanos snapped, competitive Magic was over.
1: Yeah, so, so before the snap, I'll, I, we'll give it a shot. So before the snap, this was actually just standard for how everything was. Was that um, there were seasons for the PPTQs. Your PPTQs were one of two formats. It was this constructed format or the limited format. And stores would choose which one they wanted to run. You would play either. You would be invited and play an RPTQ that was the same format as the format you qualified from. And... Uh, then you would play a Pro Tour that was or was not the same format.
0: Um, yeah, so what we have here is this fin- This season will finish. They couldn't do it the mid-season, which I actually think that there's a lot of confusion around. People just assume that because they've made this announcement that it's Pioneer season right now, it's open season right now. And I, I want to be clear about that. It is still open season. You likely have a mix of Modern and Pioneer, and then a little trickle in between Standard and Limited. So between April twenty second and August twentieth, you will then have Pioneer season. It will feed PT three, which is Pioneer, uh, which we did already know for what for the Apes credit. Uh, And then the regional championships will also be Pioneer. Those are May uh, twentieth through July second. And then the modern RCQ round for PT four will happen uh, September to December. Um, this means this, this could lead us to believe that the protor for protor 4 is in fact modern. Um, so with that being said, why the changes, Abe? Yeah, so, um,
1: just in general, the biggest benefit of the change is something that, I mean, we've even spoke to it from a, a question from a listener on the podcast. Um, I think it was like last month is that it's really, really difficult, even if you're extremely invested in competitive magic, to keep up with and be competitive in multiple different constructed formats at once and, you know, be on top of everything as far as, oh, you know, this weekend I'm going to have to play... Like, there's a Pioneer event and a Modern event, and which one am I going to go to? And, and making all these decisions really um, has been a burden to players, and so they're really streamlining that and making it more standard and universal for um the player experience and uh you know that's that's, that's from competitive player feedback um you know people yeah, just want
0: to okay
1: i was going say people just want to be able to and I think that even just the average competitive player wants to be able to know what it is that they need to be preparing for, and when it's too open, which I felt like it, it really has been for some players. Like I mean, I'm heavily invested, and I've put, put a ton of time into Magic. But there have even been weeks where a lot of time I've been playing Hammer and Mono Green at my RCQs because even though I'm that invested, it's hard for me to keep up with knowing what exactly yeah. is going to be the best on that weekend. So I'm and and swapping between the two, so keeping on top of the best Hammer seventy five and a good and like. A good red-black 75. It's too much.
0: People are saying, like, oh, player feedback is not saying this. They're saying that um, modern's the most popular format. Why not just do modern? But you have to understand the number of people that are just not willing to buy a modern deck. Like, you're not... I think so many players just are ignoring that fact. Um, I was in a coaching session where I'm coaching an entire team of qualified RC players, Abe. Like, it's it's a team of 10, and... Every single person that I have talked to about this change is happy about it. Some of them qualified for Modern. A lot of them own Modern decks. The The truth is, is that Modern shuts out like Legacy did, even though Legacy was a lot of people's favorite format, the best format for years and years and years when you and I came up. It is shutting out players. They cannot, they cannot possibly compete at that price point. They want to compete. They don't have the funds. And... It's awesome. Like, you are, modern players are going to get a season. Legacy never got that kind of love, and it's almost equivalent for the dollar value that that these decks cost these days. Um, But, like, I know multiple players as somebody that, like, helps in the Utah community as much as I can, that they just can't play. Like, they just literally can't play every event's modern. They can't afford a modern deck. They don't want to invest in modern. Because once they do that, 50% of the value or more is gone. Um, the other thing is, is um, I, I I know that content creators like us have been calling for this. Um, and we'll, we'll get into that really deep. But um, they actually quoted uh, Jerry and, and Brian on the broadcast today on how hard it is for them to recommend playing competitive magic in an environment where it's so vital and so different for every person in different regions that we ourselves have had listeners that are like, I only have pioneer events. I only have modern events. I only have limited events. Um, so, you know, the content creation side is like, what, i I, all my listeners are segmented now, you know, as a person that's like a competitive magic podcast, what am I supposed to do? And so, uh, Abe and I and Mason, we've been firing from, okay, well, what is the what is the RC format? What, and, you know, obviously that's what they ended up doing, but, like, that's how we picked. What is the uh, What is the next SEG? What is the next, like, that's how we would approach tackling formats. Um, and it makes it a lot easier for us to recommend how to do it, so.
1: Yeah, and I just want to say, like, I think that it's a pretty fair thing to feel if you're a player who, you know, maybe only plays Modern or in the same way and you could only play Standard or only play Pioneer and these could be formats where you know now there's going to be seasons where there's not any events for you. But I
0: really... So hold um, on. Can we... I Can we say that that's not true? And I want to say why. Because they did not stop SEG NRG... Face to face games from running modern events that qualify for the RC,
1: right? On the L, this is for the LGS level only, but I, but I understand that there's a lot of players who maybe only have the opportunity to play, you know, at their LGS, and for them being able to play a modern RCQ and try to qualify was like, you know, the best thing for them. But I really want to, like, I don't know, it really makes me, uh, like, I feel like I need to restate that like if you're someone who feels that way that the competitive magic ecosystem exists so that people can compete at magic and not so people can play their favorite format and qualify for events and I think that's something that like and I mean there's gonna be seasons where like are like I am so tired of playing pioneer or I'm so tired of playing standard or you know this format is like it needs a shake-up and, and these are gonna be things that you know we've dealt with this discourse for as a community for years and we'll continue to hear the same the same sentiments and things but like it's a part of it and really you got to remember that for every person around you and you know there, I think the biggest vocal um like you know, kind of uproar about it that I saw on Twitter. in roys announcement was players who really wanted to just play modern. And, you know, that was their format. and What they played is that, you know, you have a choice. You can either engage in a season or not engage in a season. And if it's not your season, that's okay. Because But if you want to be competitive in Magic, it means playing more than just that and really, you know, leaning into what the system is. And there's, for everyone you know who who's complaining like that, there's so many players who you will never meet and have never met who are going to be ecstatic that they get their opportunity to play their format or ecstatic that they have a chance to get themselves to like dive into a new format yeah. and really get that new experience as well. So
0: I, I'm going to be honest uh, in like a, a little behind the curtains here that, uh, uh, you know, if, if I wish, I probably have screenshots saved, but. Abe, I had over an 80% win percentage in Extended. It was my favorite, favorite format uh, by a substantial margin. And it was ripped out from under me to create Modern. And, you know, I, I'm sure that I did some humming and hawing at the time. Like, I'm sure I did. I'm sure that I was like, well, this sucks. You're taking away... You're taking away the value of my cards. You're taking away my favorite thing. Um, and I don't think that that is what modern players are experiencing now. I actually think that modern players are getting the best deal in the history of a shake-up to competitive magic that anyone's ever gotten. In that they're getting SEG Legacy on the on the biggest stage. And I, I hope I hope that you get to, like, take a second to, like, put yourself in the shoes of, like just a kid, just a kid that like, is trying to get into competitive magic. Um, you know, it's, it's somebody that like plays other games and I, I'm going to bring up smash really quick. What does it take to play smash at a competitive level? Abe, do you know, do you know?
1: Copy the game, a controller, and it, a doesn't, TV? it doesn't,
0: it doesn't take, it only takes a controller. All yeah. you have to show up with is a controller. Like, I, I, want, I want players to realize like the barrier to entry modern has now created for competitive magic and how bad it is. So when they're saying we have overwhelming player feedback, that all of our events are modern because that's the thing that the stars will play, because that's the thing that will fire the most, and nobody will show up for anything else, you, you have to build the community for the other stuff. And it will it will die just like Legacy is gonna die. I mean, is dead. Let's be honest. uh, If if you don't, so. Uh, Our first thoughts on this. I'll go first. I think this is the best announcement in Magic. In what is it now? (laughs) Here's the thing: is since since they announced the system itself. Yeah. No, it's better than that one. Um. I here's the thing: is I was I thought that the. The, was it called the the Magic Pro League was going to be really cool. And it turned out not to be. So this has to be the best announcement since before that. Um, since the snap? Since the snap, yeah. I, I Honestly, like... One, I'm really happy. And the first thing that people said that they were concerned about was Modern. They were like, are we going to lose Modern? There's no way any, any, that Wizards going to support Modern. And that's just not true. I think they're going to make Modern Pro Tour... I think that they're going to support modern. They see the whales, quote unquote, the people that are willing to spend and invest in that s- style of magic right now and they're going to continue to do it. Um, and they're willing to print cards into that format and like support it. So, and they can do it without having to deal with the, the other repercussions. I, I, I think this is, I think this is one of the best things to happen to magic ever. Um, and for competitive magic and for somebody that loves limited uh, and that loves standard and that wants to see standard come back because I believe that it is, it, it that limited and standard are like a very pure form of magic that is not bogged down by the same, uh, I don't know, like format restrictions is maybe a word for it, but like Standard Standard Limited have a very special place where they you get to play with new cards. You get to be excited every time you open a booster pack that no other format offers. And the fact that we have dived so far away from that, I, I think, is a problem. And I, I think that it it connects it connects people in so many different ways. Like if you're a, if you are a different type of player, if you're a brewer like Spencer you open a booster pack and you get this bomb rare and you want to try it for the first time. You get to build around this bomber, you get to brew a deck around this thing. If you are a competitive player and you're chasing some commons or uncommons that your local store didn't have, or like, you, you know, you're just chasing the value of this thing or you're, you know, or, or you're just somebody trying to, you know, get your fix on your, your local pack of uh word I can't say on the podcast. Like, it it does so much. I, I just think it's so good. What about you, Abe? Or I guess you can say your thoughts on my thoughts too. But
1: yeah, um, I don't know what there is to not like. I think that when you look at at like the the system as it was originally announced, the structure of it so fantastic. It has been so good. I think that everyone, you know, the I have heard no complaints on the structure of competitive magic since the, the structure was announced. I love that it's showing that they're listening to feedback and they're really trying to make that make it so that competitive magic can be as good as it can be and uh, can be what Wizards wants it to be for us as players. Um, I think that the amount of, something that uh, that Mason says a lot is that like magic is really good until people play too much of it. I think that that if there was anything to kind of like be a little wary of, it's the idea that a singular format is going to have the entire world of competitive Magic playing it actively for a period of three months at a time. But that really just puts it on um, that puts it on play design to really to do the work of making sure the formats are fun and engage like engaging and the things that are the best are the best in ways that are like able to be beaten. And, um, you know, that the, the formats all stay feeling fresh, but overall just the congruity is so good. The, um, uniformity between, um, you know, my experience as a player in the United States and a player who's in Canada or a player who's in Europe, as far as just the format we're playing. Cause I understand that region to region, those things are, are different. Um, as far as what their systems actually look like. But just being able to, once again, have a community united around a single format for a period of time and a single experience is just, it's so good. And I imagine that if there's anything that comes up that is bad about this, it seems like they're very adaptable and will be changing course in order to, um, to make it that way. And I just love the transparency around the announcement. I love the fact that there is even an announcement that they're like really just trying to make sure that the system works. And uh, yeah, I, I can't, I couldn't be happier with what feels like just a common sense yeah. kind of edit to the system. So
0: uh, really quick, what does this mean for CC and uh, I'll go first. Um, if you liked old CC, you're going to like this change. Uh, it means that when we're picking, well, for talked about when we're picking what to do, our focus is on helping players get to the pro tour, and to find success along the way, you know, so many players that I do coaching with, so many players that I did coaching with back when OCC offered coaching, the question was like, I don't have a local and team, I don't have the, the ability to do this, how do I gain an advantage here? Well, that's what this podcast is for, that's why it was created, right? It was like, I don't. I, okay, I'm diving into Pioneer for the first time, because it's Pioneer season, what are the five decks that I need to worry about in Pioneer? What are the five decks I need to worry about in standard? What do, like that? We as content creators now have the ability, as all of us have gone to the Pro Tour, all of us have, uh, I think, actually, all of us have like, I think, I, I think this is true, and it might not be. I don't know how much Mason has made. Like all of us have made thousands of dollars playing Magic: The Gathering.
1: Oh yeah, it's not close.
0: Yeah, like uh i was like all right i think i think it's not close and like we know so that means that you get us focusing that way now whereas before it was like i don't like i can't send the number to podcast meetings where it was like okay it's time to do this format and it's like okay i i'm not gonna lie like i i haven't had time i haven't been able to do it it's hard it's hard to focus on four formats Like if i have a limited r like especially if i have a limited rc that i want to go to because i want to support limited events in my area it just takes a whole week out of my magic time like it's unbelievable so what does this mean for cc to me it means that you get power rankings that are really good episodes like probably the best episodes of magic podcasts that you're going to get about a format in my opinion i've oh i they're my favorite episodes They've been really hard to do lately and it's really frustrated me because i believe it's like some of the best venture content that we put out um it means that you're gonna get uh in-depth conversations between three people that might disagree on a format uh you know i i made a comment about old growth troll once about how i didn't i didn't understand it in vogreen i don't believe that now you know, I had played the format a bunch. I'd played a bunch of Mono Green on Arena. Like, are like, a bunch of reasons that I have this opinion. But, like, if all I'm focusing on is Pioneer and I get to play Ogle Troll the way that I want to play it, like, I I probably learn a lot. And I can then challenge myself uh, in really meaningful ways. Um, it, you know, I, I think another example of this, and I'll, I'll shut up after this, is, like, Black versus blue in Hammer Time is something that Abe and I, and I think Mason too, have all been involved in like conversations about. Like, is Thoughtseize better? Is, I mean, I think Reality Chip is garbage. I still think that, but like, where where do we sit on these things? We can have meaningful discussions because all of us will have played games in those respective formats when we come to those discussions because there are seasons. So it changes. Yeah. It changes like the breadth of CCMTG. Yeah. I
1: mean, really it's just that streamlining of not only right. That streamlining effect of now the average player doesn't just have, doesn't have to worry about four different formats or even just two different formats that they are really spread thin trying to cover. Um, Us as players who are, you know, coming to you as experts, that streamlining is going to come back to you as people consuming the content in terms of us being able to make things that are really tailored to our, you know, strongest held opinions and the things that are really going to bring the most value to you to know and uh it's always going to land for you because that season's going to be what it is, you know. If we're talking about pioneer on a, on a, you know, right before the season starts or right in the middle of the season just to check in with where we're at, you get to know that that's the up-to-date information on the format you're applying at your RCQ. And and that's just so valuable and something we really haven't been able to replace. And you know, I Sometimes we've done, uh, we've had to do episodes where we really have to like throw ourselves at a format for a week, come back with what we can talk about um, and not be able to get in depth, but that is not going to really be the case anymore. We're gonna be able to really commit to um, having, you know, some of our best uh, work done and bring that to you because the system allows it. And that's really gonna be uh, something special and exciting for you guys. Um, I also just want to quickly touch on the fact that as we approach a system of seasons, when we get closer to that date, um, we are going to be doing an episode on how to best prepare for, you know, playing and grinding through a season. Um, not really going to it too much today. This episode is really just about the announcement. Um, but, you know, talking about, you know, building your format knowledge, um, you know, how to understand if you're a player who should really be picking one deck, or you know, building your range and being able to swap between things depending on not only you know your play skill, but the the way the format is right then, how open it is, how closed off it is, um, things like that, and really just getting into that. So, um, if you're someone who has never experienced a system like this, where you're going to be really playing the same format week in week out, if that's something new to you, we'll have a lot of guidance for you there. Um, but overall, that's that's really what. Um, we're doing as a show moving forward uh, in terms of this announcement. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be really great. I think that, you know, the quality of content we're able to give you, not only in terms of the training grounds or the macro episodes, but in terms of the nitty gritty, the micro and the um, the format week to week, like Spencer said, the power rankings, you know, the deep dives, those things are going to be a lot easier to get into um, and, and have them be relevant to you as a listener, no matter where you are. So, really excited about
0: it. All right. So, uh, I want to open it up to the live chat because we got a lot of people in there. That if you want to ask a question, now is your time. Um, But we were going to take a question from Adrian from the Patreon questions. If you want to be uh, eligible for this, become a patron of $5 or more. uh, You get access to a sweet Google link that will allow you to ask questions. Adrian asks, What books would you recommend for improving magic for reference? I saw someone on Twitter recommend The Inner Game of Tennis. So, I was wondering if there are other books that you recommend in the same vein yes there is i recommend this book to everyone i believe that it helped me the most in my entire life like in my life uh and it actually i think is an hbr book so harvard business review uh and that is managing oneself it is talks about how you learn as a person how you communicate and how you communicate with other people who learn differently than you and one of the things that's really hard for people to understand in magic is, like, how do I network? How do I communicate with other people that, like, have slimmer mindsets to me? And this book talks about it. It is like, hey, like, do you learn by reading? Do you learn by audio? Um, and, you know, it talks about presidents and how they learned. It talks about, like, it is, it is literally the best book I've ever read. And it's really short. Like, if you get it on Audible, which, by the way, you want to sponsor us Audible? Let's go. Um, Yeah, and it's Managing Oneself by Peter F. Drucker. Uh, It is 44 minutes on Audible. It is literally a drive to and from work for a lot of people. And it will change your life, how you communicate with people. I do not believe that Abe Stein would stand talking to me as a human being before I read this book. Like, it is it is that good. It is going to make you better at magic. It's going to make you better at life. Um, it, it's it's the best book I've ever read. So, hard to follow that one up, because my answer is
1: really... Um, so, there's, there's my, like, soft answer, which is, like, if you have never read The Next Level Magic by Patrick Chapin, I, it was the foundation for the building blocks of me actually being able to facilitate improvement in myself in terms of what it was I was looking at in magic what it was I was thinking about when I was reading a deck list, what it was that decks were trying to do, how I should be playing to my outs. Um, some of it hasn't really aged as well um, as a lot of the core theory stuff, but um, that stuff is still just so important. And I think that uh, I think that a lot of that still holds true today. So I definitely recommend that if you haven't read it. Outside of that, um, there was a book... Uh, I think you can find it online. It's called, like, for free. It's called Elements of Poker, um, which is written by, uh, like, a a series of just, like, loose thoughts about, um, like, being a professional poker player by someone who's a successful high-stakes professional poker player. I forget his name. Um, But it was recommended to me by um, my friend AJ. And some of the things it touched on there, uh, like, you have to think about a bit in order to really understand how they apply to magic, but things like understanding, um, comparative advantages, um, like within yourself at like the poker table is how he talks about it, but also um, you know, where it is you're willing to make exchanges of what's quote unquote right for what actually wins you more or what gives you those edges and where you're really seeking those. Um, those were all really, really valuable um, things that I kind of gleaned from that book and that one was also just a pretty quick and light read um, compared to most poker books. It was just him kind of talking about his thoughts on having played poker someone who coached many individuals on like becoming successful poker players themselves. Um, it was a pretty interesting one. And I would say that would be the one, but definitely next level magic. magic. Uh,
0: if you want to get the rest of the concert network, you can check out uh, the, the best, the best podcast in magic in drafting archetypes by Sam Black. He's got a swag store, too, just like us. Check that out. Um, and then, yeah, you, me and Mythic and Michaela doing Mythic Cast every month. Uh, we're doing our set review. We're not, our set reviews are different. Like, we are, we're coming prepared. We're, we have our, our top ten is uh, three constructed cards, three commons, three uncommons. Uh, and then one sideboard card to really care about. So check that out. Uh, it's we're gonna be recording next week. So, uh, and then if you get mythic, you know, tweeted us, and we're doing bonus episodes as me interviewing people that have gotten mythic, climbed the ladder, qualified via mythic, um, uh, just as interview show uh, bonus episodes for the for the network. Um, uh, like, subscribe, comment, review. Honestly. Uh, we have been shocked. Abe, Abe specifically was shocked by the number of Spotify listeners that we have been getting. Um, I don't know, but what's weird is like people aren't leaving Apple to go to Spotify. People are just picking us up through Spotify. Abe.
1: Spotify is just the goat. It's what I've been using for years. Glad people on Spotify are finally getting to know that we're that we're out there. And getting those Spotify
0: listings. offers reviews now, Abe.
1: Yeah. Now, if only these people who are listening, if they can go leave that five star review that we work so hard for and deserve, that would just be the chef's kiss. That would be. If you're listening right now on Spotify and you're like, "Wow, I listen to this show a lot. That was good.
0: Five stars, baby. Hit us up. Let's go. Come on." Yeah. I'm. I'm a. am a dirty Apple Podcast listener. I'll leave a review there too. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Abe, where can people find you for coaching for? Uh, hammer Time Opinions, or, you know, now that, now that you're finally going to get into Standard, like, where are they going to find you talking about removal spells that kill Sheldred and and our boy, Phyrex and Obliterator?
1: Yeah, so, uh, if you want to find me, you can find me at twitter.com slash more nothings. Um, you can DM me there for coaching. Um, you know, I offer coaching and uh, everything magic-related. So, um, I know that <laughs> that we talked about in the episode, but there are people out there who think that I only do hammer. I do still do a lot of things that are very hammer focused. And if you're someone who really just wants to learn that, I would love to help you with that. Um, but I will definitely help you improve your process and your results, um, you know, for for anything in magic. So please feel free to uh, to send me a DM. We can set something up. Um, but yeah, that's me. How about you, Spencer?
0: Uh, you can find me at H. You can email, you can actually just email me for coaching. I've had people create Twitter accounts and it was actually hard for them because they didn't have a Twitter, they didn't have a Facebook or whatever. You just email me. It's just spencerhowland at gmail.com. I give give 20% off the first session because the first session is really about what can I offer you? What do I think the the next steps are for you? Uh, And then also, like, I just like talking about magic. Like, just reply to my tweets, fam. Like, let's go. I, I, I talk a lot about magic. People don't be in the replies, Abe. You got to have a hotter take. I feel like Mason... Mason's the spiciest of all
1: of us. We are, we are lacking in our, in our Parmesan Mason's, as a podcast. Mason's,
0: Mason's not even... Doesn't even have hot takes. And then he tweets about how he was so spicy with his, like, you know, blandness. And I'm like... No, no, no.
1: Here's the thing. Mason's spicy takes are that he can, like, fight animals that would kill him in an instant and win. That's the Mason spicy takes that we're both
0: missing. Didn't Mason... Wasn't Mason on Team I would die to a rat? I don't know that, like... No, 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 no. Mason's like... Mason's like I could... The, the Pokemon
1: one, I think it was, was like he thought I could win against a bunch of things that would kill him. I think the animals won. He did too. Mason just believes that he can take a lot of things in a fight.
0: So, I, I... Listen, Mason is a large human, uh, but Mason is a teddy bear. You all could take Mason in a fight. I just want you to know... That I don't believe that Mason has thrown a punch in his life. Like, and I believe if you hit him, he would concede. Thank you all for listening. See you guys all next week with another episode of Constructed Criticism.